On today's Spotlights, it's our uh, first Tuesday of the month of June, and for this school season anyway, our final chat of the year, at least I think, with uh, District 877 Superintendent, Dr. Scott Tillman, who joins us. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Tim. Welcome back to uh, the program. we got a lot to uh, to uh, discuss here this morning. Uh, we'll talk certainly about uh, the graduations. I think uh, Buffalo Hanover Montrose might be one of the final ones in the area this year. Yes, I think uh, we are. We we are we're always the first week of June. Yep. So students have class through um, through Thursday, and then uh, the high school graduation is actually the day after school officially ends yeah. on Friday. Well, we'll talk about that coming up here a yeah. bit later. We want to jump right yep. into. Um, uh, the uh, budget reductions, uh, maybe the uh, uh, the potential of those, and and how the uh, legislative session came out uh, for schools, things like that. Yes, um, the last time we we spoke um, last month and in, in May, um, we were talking about the 1920 uh, as part of our conversation. Besides the snow days, um, we we were talking about budget reductions for. 1920, and that's the next school year. Um, and we were holding out hope, trying to figure out what the legislature was going to do. Um, the board had to already act, and um, they um, approved the recommendation of the administration to uh, reduce uh, teaching positions and um, and cut supply accounts. Um, uh, increased fees for students, um, looking at uh, trying to better manage our energy usage. And what that means is, you know, temperature controls and really dialing that in. It'll be cooler in the winter and warmer in the summer. Um, and then looking at curriculum uh, purchases like uh, textbook adoptions and materials for uh for teaching um, and making some reductions in those areas, along with cutting cutting teachers. So we had staffed over our allocation for uh, this year um, due to some um, uh, last-minute uh, enrollments, and um, we're going to have to reset those numbers, which will have an effect on class size ratios. So we talked a little bit about that last time, and um, as we went through this process, the board was um, had a an ad hoc budget committee and task force, if you will, um, to talk about not only 1920, but then to um, really hone in on 2021. Um, as we were hearing from the legislature, um, from the governor's standpoint, his target was to have a 3% increase in the general education uh, formula, the basic education formula, of 3% the first year and 2% the second year. Uh, the House had the same target of 3 and 2, but the Senate only had a half a percent for each year. And um, with their proposal, uh, the district would have had to make uh, additional reductions of 
three hundred or five hundred and fifty thousand in the first year and seven hundred and fifty thousand in the second year. Um, with those initial targets, the house and the governor also had additional dollars for special education funding because on an annual basis, um, special education is is underfunded, and then that causes the district to uh, use general the basic education formula to cover the cost of special education. And we talked about that last fall um, when we were when the district uh, conducted a, um, an operating levy election um, that failed last fall. Um, as we went through that process, uh, we were trying to figure out what what we might be able to, to uh, receive, and the the board adopted some assumptions in January based on some of those targets, and they were targeting uh, 2% increase in each year, not the 3 and 2 uh, that the governor and the House had, had initially proposed. Through that process, um, because of the reductions that we had to make in 1920, um, they looked out to 2021, and there are additional reductions that have to be made. Um, and the board, with this task force or ad hoc budget committee, put together a list of $2.9 million worth of reductions in the coming year. And um, those reductions are going to affect um, teachers, 22 positions, um, they're proposing to close Discovery Elementary School, close Phoenix Learning Center, uh, eliminate the Right Choice Program, which is an out-of-school suspension program, um, eliminate the Quest Program and the Gifted and Talented Coordinator. We've already reduced that position to half times for the following year, for 1920. Um, we'll reduce some of the college and the school's offerings, and then there'll be other staff that will um, be reduced, uh, some secretary positions at um, at the sites that are, are uh, eliminating the programs. And then um, we'll also be, uh, it's proposed to eliminate educational support staff, about four of those positions. Some office, uh, again, uh, office personnel will be um, combined and reduced. Um, we are going to eliminate some MAP testing, which is a, an assessment test that goes above and beyond what the Minnesota Department of Education requires in uh, the middle school for grades 6 through 8. Um, we will not pay for the ACT test. Currently, we pay for all students to take that test. We're only required to just pay for the free and reduced lunch students. Um, and then in operations and maintenance and transportation, um, we're going to be reducing um, two custodial positions. Again, uh, uh, an office personnel secretarial position will reduce three bus routes. Um, we gain some efficiencies when we change school start time and reduce the walking distance. Um, now we'll We'll reset that back to where we were at prior to uh, changing school start time. And then in activities, we're, um, it's proposed to eliminate all middle school activities. 
um, as well as at the high school, eliminate the Boys and Girls Lacrosse program, the Boys Swim and Die program, the dance program, the BPA, which is the Business Professionals of America program, and the Pegasus Magazine program. On top of that, we'll increase um, the activity fees for students and increase uh, parking permit fees. We'll eliminate a principal as we close Discovery and Phoenix Learning Center. Each of those have a half-time administrator, so that'll be the equivalent of a, of a full-time principal to come up with those um, those reductions. And some people might be saying, well, how did we get here? Um, and the the path that this took is going back to 2007. Uh, the fund balance uh, in the district fell below our target of 8%, and it caused the district to begin the reductions. And at that time, um, they cut um, $1.5 million in 2008-9, and then they cut um, $1.8 million in 9-10. And, um, and I might have inverted those. I think it was $1.8 and then $1.5. So over a two-year period, they cut $3.3 million and um, reduced 40 teachers and made administrative cuts and program cuts um, during that time. And due to that, the fund balance was stabilized. And then um, due to the um, recession at the time, there were dollars that came in as one-time dollars from the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act. And so then it, the district began to build the fund balance. Um, and the, in 11 and 12 school year, uh, the district received the Education Jobs Act funds um, unanticipated. So um, we have a history, and these graphs are are out on our our website, and you can see the growth of those uh, of the fund balance. And then in uh, the 2012-13, um, the district began to utilize the um, other post employment benefits trust, which was uh, established in 2009, and generates. Um, revenue through investments, and the district was able to take in about uh, $750,000 on an annual uh, basis. <clears throat> then in 14-15, the legislature authorized um, the board to all boards in the state of Minnesota to convert $300 of voter-approved referendum authority to board-approved, um, and that... Um, that conversion allowed the district to receive about one, a little over a million dollars. So the district was able to build their fund balance from a low of 6.92% to a high of 17.2%. So we went from 7% up to 18%. And the board at that time was um, utilizing the dollars to uh, lower class sizes. So during that whole time frame, all the way up until um, this year, the board was investing in additional teachers who then help reduce class sizes throughout the district. 
as well as additional ESP support um, due to uh, special education students. Um, the board began to spend down the fund balance and at, um, and knew that we would the district would have to uh, go out to the community for an operating referendum to to maintain what we currently have. So intentionally, the board spent down that fund balance during that time. Now, uh, as some people are probably don't know that just moving from one year to the next, um, due to inflationary pressures, um, the district, um, it costs approximately one to one and $1.5 million um, uh, due to inflation and the costs associated with operations um, to there's an increase. And um, as we moved into that, that cycle, we also have to uh, account for special education. And right now, um, typically, the school district does not um, receive uh, information until September about the, the cost of special education or the lack thereof uh, for funding for, for school districts. So um, as we, we went through this process, the board looked out to the future and said, okay, here's what we can afford. Here's what um, we're hoping to have for investments from, um, uh, from the state of Minnesota. And um, the pressures that uh, we're seeing um, are unsustainable, and we talk to our legislature every year. Uh, we have a legislative forum, talk to them about the pressures of special education and the cross-ups, the growing cross-subsidy, which is the lack of funding for, for special education. And um, they know that it costs uh, districts 3% just to roll their their funds forward, it's about a three percent increase. And um, for us, last year we had an additional one point one million dollars that was taken out of the general fund to subsidize the cost of special education. And again, we found that out in September. So instead of three percent. Um, Variance, or as you roll everything forward, it, it doubled. It was um, close to six percent, and so um, the board knew that's unsustainable. Um, they um, made the determination and um, conducted an election last last fall. That didn't pass, and so um, the reductions needed to be made. For 1920, and I went through those um, those uh, the costs associated with that, um, and those have been will be approved in the final budget uh, this month and on June 24th, and um, and and then the board will also and as I said has also looked at the 1920 budget now. You know, some people might be saying, well, we need to make do with what we have. And uh, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, uh, and the, the board is, is making those adjustments um, based on what we have. 
Um, but people also have to understand that as um, as they look at their own internal accounts or businesses, I've talked to the chamber about this and in the presentation that when you know decisions have to be made in businesses that either you cut staff or you raise the cost of goods and services. Well, the district doesn't have the ability to raise the cost of goods and services because our product is students, and uh, we utilize the funds we receive from from the um, state and federal government. And that breakdown is um, probably surprising to some folks is that uh, 85% of the funding that we receive comes directly from the state of Minnesota, and 5% comes from uh, the federal government, and 10% comes from local property taxes. So it's uh, proportionately for our district, it's it's mostly um, very little on the property taxes, but mostly from um, uh, 85% from the state of Minnesota. Well, we can't raise the price of goods and services. We can't generate additional income. The only way you can do that, or like a home budget, you know, you either eliminate things in your home budget or you um, get a different job or you get a second job. We can't do that in the school district. That only comes to us in the form of uh, a, a levy. And just so people know, um, in our listening audience, that um, we're not alone in this situation. Um, the school district, Buffalo Hanover Montrose School District, just has the minimum that all school districts in the state of Minnesota have, and that was part of the legislative session. Is it's all rolled in? We don't have a voter-approved operating referendum anymore because the state rolled that all in. And when we look at our neighbors, those districts that touch our border are contiguous to us. Um, Maple Lake received $600 more per pupil than the Buffalo Hanover Montrose School District. Why is that? These are all operating levies that that have passed in those communities. So Maple Lake received $600 more per pupil than EHM schools. Monticello, $510 more than than um, BHM, Elk River, which is the Rogers and Zimmerman and Elk River School District, uh, they touch our border. They receive $467 more than BHM schools. Osseo, which is Osseo and um, Maple Grove, they receive $1,457 more than we do. Rockford, $750 more per pupil than than um, BHM schools. Delano is $358 more per pupil. And even uh, Water, uh, Howard Lake Waverly Winstead at $56 and Watertown Mayor at $54. So um, we're in a situation, and it's, it's similar for other districts like um, Elk River. I, I mentioned the Rogers School District, a growing district. As you can see, all the housing in Otsego, which is part of Elk River, and uh, the Rogers area, um, they have a $467 uh, operating referendum, 
and they have to cut $10.2 million for next year for the 1920 school year. And even Monticello at $510 per pupil cut $2 million out of their budget a, a year ago. And there's other districts in the Mississippi 8 um, Athletic Conference that are are cutting um, their budgets. Um, and now the school district has been placed into the Lake Conference, which is some of the wealthiest districts, and, and they're wealthy because of the operating referendums that they they pass. And they have... 2400 anywhere from 21 to $2,400 per pupil, um, and that's uh, above what um, the Buffalo-Hanover-Montreux School District has. We've talked to our legislators about this inequitable funding um, that occurs in the, in, in the state of Minnesota and, um, and about adequacy and about the amount that they provide for those school districts. And... Um, our legislators know directly about this, and I have a feeling that there might even be a, a, a lawsuit that um, uh, might come up from school. Well, I know that there is one uh, out of St. Cloud about equitable funding, and the last time there was a lawsuit, it was in the in the 90s, and that was brought by Skeen and skiing versus the state of Minnesota, and that was the Buffalo uh, school board member. Um, so they, um, the state knows about this discrepancy, but at the same time, um, they're not willing to really do anything about it. So when we look at what we received, the, the legislature went into a special session. They approved a 2% each year. Um, they did uh, allocate some dollars for special education, but it wasn't to address our our deficit of 5.9 million. Um, they are trying to address that um, it wouldn't increase um, that 5.9 million. Um, that's what they're they're uh, proposing, but the initial runs that I've seen from the state of Minnesota doesn't show that that's going to be the case, that it's not going to freeze it for the buffalo Hanover Macho School District, at least in these initial runs that I've seen. So they um, will see what happens there. Um, and in lieu of or in light of this uh, proposed um, deficit that we see coming to us or in, in, in the 2021, we're already... In 1920, we're still using the fund balance um, and and making reductions. Um, we're proposing to use 2.8 million dollars of the of the fund balance for the 1920 school year, and we used uh, 2.6 this year. It looks like that that'll be how the um, the number uh, shakes out for us at uh, at the end. And the board is asking. Our community to provide uh, provide feedback through a community survey, uh, survey. and that survey is um, in this month's uh, BHM Insider. Uh, so it's the newsletter for the Buffalo Hanover Montrose School District. It's the May June edition, 
and there's a, a survey inside, and folks can um, log on to uh, the website of www.feedback2000.com. That's the company uh, that is helping us with this, uh, School Perceptions. And there are uh, questions that um, the community can answer and help give the board direction about whether or not they should conduct another operating referendum to address the deficit that um, that we have for uh, 1920 and 2021 uh, going forward. It's a it's a five year um, estimate, and um, it it walks folks through um, uh, the district uh, uh, proposed cuts and asking for their feedback on on those re- proposed reductions. So that's kind of um, a long. I hope it wasn't too rambling um, description of what um, the district where we've come. Uh, the board built up the fund balance intentionally, and then we're spending it down at, uh, intentionally. Um, but we've come to a point where it's unsustainable, and we were hoping for growth in our community with residents. It's, we're not seeing that, and uh, we were also hoping for the re- um, recognition from the state legislature and the federal uh, to address the growing uh, disparity in funding and uh, the lack of funding for special education. So that is um, kind of a big picture um, uh, as we we look out to the to the future, and I don't know if you had any comments or questions about that, Tim. As I I went through all of that. Yeah. Well, you know, obviously this is a this is a situation that uh, you know neither you or any of the uh, administration or the uh, school board uh, likes to be in. Um, you know, the, uh, the cuts that were talked about here, 2019 and 2020, that's one thing. Then you really get into, uh, 2020 and 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these, these are some eye-opening, uh, painful cuts. And what, yeah. you know, I'm wondering if maybe some of the listeners might, uh, be thinking too, you know, is it, is it affecting some of the intermediate-sized districts like uh, District 877, you know, that are, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big district, but it's not, it's not a huge metro district. We're kind of right. in between. Does it, yeah. Are these the districts that get hit the hardest with this? Yeah, I, I think that, um, that you're picking up on something that um, is, is I, I think it's, it's happening to, to us where we don't, the school districts our size are usually just outside the metro. And the metros have large commercial industrial properties, and so their residents pay a, a, a lower portion uh, than our districts. And so when you look at an Elk River, um, bigger than us, you know, probably double the size, but they're still cutting $10.2 million, um, they're getting hit hard, and they already have an operating referendum. Um, if I look at the Mississippi 8, Cambridge Isani is about the same size as the Buffalo Hanover Montrose School District. They cut $5 million for the 1920 school year, 
And then, as I said, Monticello, they're cutting, they cut 2 million last year, and I know they're cutting for. 1920, St. Francis is a school district in, in the Mississippi, a similar size. They're cutting, they cut 3.7 million, uh, this year, um, and they're going to continue to cut for next year. And then North Branch is cutting 2.3 million, a little bit smaller than us, but in the same conference. Those are just in our, you know, I look at those districts because they're they're similar size uh, because of competition and and the the students that are are um are play, you know playing against each other but you can look at even some of these districts uh, like Rosemont Apple Valley Egan is cutting 7 million dollars now it's the fourth largest district and so 7 million might not be a big deal but they're cutting uh Waconia is a small well there are about 4000 students um they just passed a referendum last fall and they are in statutory operating debt and having to cut 1.3 million dollars it's it's not an isolated incident for buffalo hanover Montreal school but it's one that um is probably disproportionate like you said Tim to those that are outside the metro um, I look at in St. Cloud, uh, Sartell St. Stephen's cutting 1.75 million uh, for next year. Faribault, which is in southern Minnesota, uh, 1.9 million that they're cutting uh, for next year. So we're fortunate that we built up a fund balance, but um, it is something that is is being hit um, not only here but throughout the state, and then. Like you said, um, probably a bit disproportionate with with the size of the districts. Yeah. Uh, on one last question here about the uh, the survey again. Now uh, you want uh, district residents to to look that over. Uh, it's in the uh, the insider newsletter, but I'm sure they can find the information and comment uh, later. One question, maybe that uh, that probably I would imagine would come up is. Okay, so if if voters uh, in the district or residents kind of show some interest in, well, okay, we didn't quite fully understand that maybe right. it was quite this bad. Mm-hmm. So if if something would pass, what does that, you know, where does that get us? I think it's probably yeah. something people are wondering. Have you seen the survey, Tim? Uh, you know, I did not have a chance okay. to look it over fully okay. yet. Yep. So... Um, in the survey, if they say, yeah, if we get feedback saying we would support this, then the proposed reductions for um, 2021 would not occur um, because we're we're that's not next year. So, but we have to get we don't receive the money until a year later. So, okay. we have to get out in front of this so that people know. Here are the things that are are uh, on the list to cut, and if we get help, then we avoid these reductions, and we get to keep everything rolling forward. Um, or maybe there isn't support for that, and we keep cutting, and and then it gets worse after that. And you know, I've heard from some folks um, or some board members have heard that people think it's a 
a scare tactic. It's, mm. it's not a scare tactic. It's reality. This is what's happened. We've used all of our money appropriately. We get independent audit every single year. It wasn't misappropriation. Anybody, we've had conversations with folks. People can email us or call us. It can come in. We have everything online about our proposed budgets, our audit findings. This is the reality for school districts in the state of Minnesota. And as I read to you earlier, or stated earlier, about our neighbors, they're already receiving more than our students or our community, and we haven't had a voter-approved increase in our operating referendum since 2002. Um, now, the survey is open through June 17th, and then that company will disaggregate and you know collect all that data, and they'll present the findings to the board on the June 24th board meeting, and um, that'll give board direction. It'll give our community a voice, and um, and then we'll move forward from there. All right. Some serious stuff, and uh, hopefully uh, district residents will give it careful consideration between now and, and and you really want people to respond, I would imagine, one way or the other, get their thoughts on, yep. on the survey. Yep, exactly. That's exactly what they want. And in the insider, you'll see that um, we prefer to have everybody just do it online because they have an access code, you know, that they punch in. And and it's good for one survey. Um, that way, um, we they can control for how many folks are are um, wanting to participate in that. One person can't just submit something ten times or a hundred times or something like that. Um, but if a family, if um, if a family household has two. Uh, individuals who are 18 or older, and they want to um, both uh, provide input and feedback through the survey, just give us a call at 763-682-8706, 763-682-8706, and we'll give you another access code um, so that both people can participate in that in that survey, um, all of this is on the is in the insider, so you can see the survey is there for you to read prior to going online. And um, if 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 you would like to send in the survey, you can mail it back to the school of perceptions company uh, that is conducting that for us, and uh, the address is on the bottom of the survey also. So it's it's laid out for them. For our residents um, and every resident, um, every residential address receives the survey, and um, parents receive it, our staff receive it. So we'll we'll collect all that information. Okay. On to graduations. We're uh, nearly out of time here, so yep. uh, you got a big big Quickly. week this yep. week. We um, starting this evening. We have adult basic education graduation here at Discovery Center Auditorium. And that'll be at 7 p.m. Then tomorrow afternoon, we have our Pride Transitions program, which is the 18 to 21-year-old student program who are transitioning to work and independent living. And that'll be at 1 p.m. down in uh, Pride uh, Transitions 
program building, where which is the Lakeview Mall in Buffalo, and that, excuse me, um, on Thursday night, uh, June 6th at 7 p.m., the Phoenix Learning Center students will have their graduation, and that'll be at the Buffalo High School Performing Arts Center. And then a culminating uh, graduation ceremony is on Friday, June 7th at 7 p.m. in the Buffalo High School gym. And um, we have approximately 480 graduates participating in the ceremony, and um, we're we're really um, looking forward to all of the graduation ceremonies beginning tonight, and um, and especially for our high school students on um, Friday, June 7th. It's always a big night, and uh, always well prepared for those that uh, um, that uh, put together the commencement exercises each year. Uh, hats off to them because, boy, that's to get that all done, and it's usually about an hour, not too far off. So, uh, oh, yeah, you, that's exactly right. Um, mm-hmm. They do a great job, and um, it's usually uh, warm in the gymnasium, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, no air conditioning, but um, I think that keeps everybody moving, and yeah. and it's a great ceremony, um, great performances by our band and choir and orchestra, and um, and I would just like to end just uh, congratulating some students, if I could, just for a second. Sure. Um, uh, the high school cast um, for Frog and Toad were uh, for the performance were are, are going to be. Um, uh, are showcased at the Hennepin Theater Showcase, and they received an outstanding ratings on overall production and acting performance by an ensemble, technical crew, and overall technical team, light and soundboard operations, leading role, uh, Emily um, uh, Feldman as Toad, and technical leadership with Maddie Carlson as set designer and uh Jackson Upham as the lighting designer. So congratulations to them. Our students of excellence, Sarah Burke, Caitlin um, Goldenick, and Gabby Hernandez, um, Abigail Vogler, who were recognized as students of excellence. I'd like to congratulate um, Mr. Scott Rebell, Buffalo High School instrumental music teacher, who was named the Schmidt Music High School uh, Educator of the Year. Congratulations to Mr. Rebell. And then Melanie Olson, uh, who is a Parkside Quest teacher, who was named the 2019 WEM Outstanding Educator for Teacher Achievement. And uh, congratulations to Melanie. And then Mr. Lubin, Matt Lubin, uh, Buffalo Community Middle School Principal, who was named Central Minnesota Association of Secondary School Principals Central Division Principal of the Year. So now he'll qualify for the... Minnesota Association of School uh, Secondary School Principals um, uh, Principal of the Year program. Um, Mr. Um, Mischke was named that Principal of the Year for the State of Minnesota last year, and now Mr. Lubin will be eligible for that um, that honor going forward. So, congratulations to all of them, and I also want to congratulate um, Kim Heinrichs, uh, who has been named our um, uh, nutrition services director or food service director 
And congratulations to her. She's been a longtime employee with the school district for 22 years, and now she's going to be leading our food service program. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk with her on this very program tomorrow. So, Oh, yeah. great. She's wonderful. We'll yeah, talk a little excited. bit about the uh, summer food program. and uh, so. Oh, you will talk, because I had that as a talking point. Yeah, so yeah. She'll, she'll elaborate on that. Right. Thanks for the time, Tim. Very good, and uh, I think this is our last uh, scheduled visit here before Labor Day, but obviously uh, we've got some things on the table here, so we'll probably uh, touch base, uh, maybe not in this program, but uh, uh, maybe just a, a phone interview or something yep. and kind of yep. keep on top of this, too. So I would I'd welcome that. Thank okay, you, thanks very much. Okay. All right. District 877 Superintendent Dr. Scott Tillman, our guest on today's Spotlight on KRWC.